Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. Tiger fans, get ready for episode 124 of the official Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club podcast, bringing you all the latest news, updates, and buzz surrounding your mighty JSU Tigers. I am the Corey C. Be sure to download and subscribe to the podcast to be notified of every new episode. Apple Podcast users, rate and review the show, and everyone, follow Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club on Facebook. And Tiger Talk 1400 on Instagram and Twitter. It all helps the cause, which is the I love, Jackson State University. Hosting the show with me today are Charles Bishop and Neely. Fellas, how's it going? Hey, great to be here. Great to be, uh, as we always say, it's a great day to be a Tiger. Always. (laughs) Absolutely, absolutely. All right, fellas, you know, it seems like just yesterday that we were ringing in the new year. And here we are already heading into the month of February, and it's just a few weeks away from the start of spring football, and things are really ramping up on the practice field over at Jackson State. And who better to talk to than a man who can give us plenty of insight on how things are coming along? That will be the defensive coordinator, Coach Dennis Thurman. Hey, Welcome I to the show, Coach. you guys have me. I'm glad to be here. It is absolutely our pleasure. No doubt about it. Welcome in, Coach. All right. And so, Coach, I, I would imagine it's been a whirlwind for you since December 1st when Coach Prime officially took over. Uh, but outside of the football part, how has it been for you just getting acclimated to the city of Jackson uh, and the university? Different. I'm, uh, it's interesting <laughs> is that um, I was the first uh, kid in my family of, of nine who was born in Los Angeles. Uh, I'm rooted in the South. My mom was born and raised in El Dorado, Arkansas. My dad was raised in Bernice, Louisiana. So I'm, I'm a mm-hmm. Southern kid at heart. Um, and I mean, it, it's a little different, you know, growing up in Santa Monica, California, where you got the sun, the beach, uh, <laughs> weather is uh, three quarters of the year is perfect. And, uh, and then coming down South where you know, the weather changes. It's been it's been warm enough in Jackson. Mm-hmm. Uh, the food has been the best. I enjoy the southern cooking mm-hmm. uh, where breakfast, lunch and dinner are all the same. But, <laughs> but other than that, gotcha. everything has been great. Good deal. Good. Deal. Now, you mentioned that beach. 
Uh, nearly, Charles, are y'all gonna let him know about that beach down on, on the coast? Or no? <laughs> <laughs> well, not 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 yet. Not, not yet. yet. Yeah, yeah. Not <laughs> yet. We'll, we'll get there. <laughs> we'll get there. All right. We'll bring yeah, him along yeah. slowly. We pace ourselves. Well, coach, <laughs> coach, uh, uh, again, man, welcome, Jackson. I say that as a, a native Jacksonian. Uh, born and raised here in Jackson, and also, you know, a, a graduate of the, of the university over there at 1400 Lynch Street. And good to see that you're getting acclimated and, and enjoying our food. And I tell you now, as far as the weather, if you don't like the weather, just be patient. It's going to change in 30 minutes. Uh, you know what? So, I've seen that. <laughs> okay. So I understand that. I do. Yeah. I understand yeah, that. We, we have to dress in layers so we can remove something when the weather changes throughout the day. I understand. I understand. But coach, and I get coach, it. coach, let me ask you this. You know, uh, uh, when you bring in a guy like Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, one of the words that comes to mind is, is style. And style has a different, you know, connotation and, and, and layers to it. But as it relates to, to your style and your coaching style, being a defense coordinator at Jackson State University, how, how would you frame your style for people who, who don't know Coach Thurman? Um, open. And, and by that, I mean, is that there's more than one way to skin a cat. Mm -hmm. And I've been a part of a lot of <clears throat> different schemes, a lot of different philosophies, uh, terminologies. But at the end of the day, you have to be flexible enough to have a scheme or a system that fits your personnel. And I'm all about personnel at, at more than I am about schemes. And mm -hmm. a lot of a lot of defensive coaches uh, have a system or a scheme that they're married to, and once they get married to that, then they want to have the exact personnel that fits that scheme that they want to run. I believe the other way that the system or scheme that you have has to be flexible enough to fit the personnel that you have, because the players make the scheme, not the scheme making the players. Mm -hmm. And when you understand that, then you are going to take the talent you have and make it work. And a lot of coaches look at, at their players and go, well, he can't do this. It's not about what he can't do. It's what can he do? And mm -hmm. if you have a system that's flexible enough to take something a young man can do, a young player can do, and you use him to do what you need him to do, then you're gonna get you're gonna get more players that are happy and involved because instead of you saying no, you're saying yes. And and that's that's what we've done uh from the time I got to Baltimore in two thousand two until the time I ended up in Buffalo in 2016 is what can a guy do to help us win and that's what we we try to emphasize hmm. gotcha you know coach let me follow up on on what you were just uh, saying in regards to uh coaching philosophy and and when you take a look at your uh college career uh your playing career and, and your coaching career i mean you've been associated with some icons uh, in college football especially uh when you talk about names like john mckay and john robinson and i'm playing for uh, a Gene Stallings and, 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 right. a, and the Coach Landry, but what has shaped 
your coaching acumen or your coaching philosophy or uh, is a, uh, have kind of brought a lot of things together to become the coach who you are? Well, all of those, all of those men that you mentioned have had an impact on me in one way or another. Um, when I got to USC in 1974, um, date myself, um, we won a national championship and we basically played cover two and cover three. Hmm. Um, but the talent that was on that defense was one of, okay, we have great talent, physical talent. We don't need to try and, and out scheme someone when we have the physical talent to go out and outplay someone. If we know what we're doing, as long as we are technically and fundamentally sound, uh, that's what it was all about. Our practices, my freshman year at USC, including stretch, might last an hour and 20 minutes. John McKay didn't believe in staying on the field long. He believed in doing it right. Mm. And so we would go and we'd practice for an hour, basically 20 minutes, and that included stretch. And people were like, well, how are you guys so good? Because one, we were fresh. Two, we knew what we were doing, and we let the athletes go out and do what we had to do um, to the tune of a national championship and beating a very good Ohio State team uh, who had Archie Griffin and, you know, Cornelius Griffin and a bunch of great players mm-hmm. um, on, that, on that football team. And so I learned how to coach simply with him. Landry was all about, he was all about being structured and organized and once you got in the Cowboys system, it was you could predict training camp, okay? You knew exactly what you were going to do year one in training camp through year eight, okay, of training camp. Nothing changed. Everything was exactly the same. So you knew going into it exactly what was going to take place um, from day one. And Gene Stallings pretty much emulated Coach Landry in that way. Uh, didn't have the success at the pro level, but he did go back to Alabama yes. um, and win a national championship. Mm-hmm. And I was happy for him. And obviously he came up under Bear Bryant, who was also one of the greatest coaches to ever walk the sidelines. So everybody has their own philosophy. Everybody has their way of doing things. But I, I've taken a little bit from each one of them, but I, I haven't forgotten about me. Sure. And I... Um, mm-hmm. I believe a certain way and they, you know, I first got into this business. Hello, coach. I'm still here and I can hear coach, you. Yeah, I can hear you. <laughs> than I was to any of the coaches I worked with in Arizona. The next coach in age was. Which is fine. I was married at the time and had two children, but I still was closer in age to the players. So I actually actually got closer to the players when they told me it wasn't good or healthy to do that. But I looked at it like, okay, I can be a mentor. Or as I've gotten older and more into the business, I found that I could also be more of a father figure uh, to some young people who didn't necessarily have that uh, growing up. And so I've always gotten close to my players and it works for me. It may not have worked for them, but it has worked for me. And, uh, and so 
like I say, I've learned a little bit from each one of them, uh, but I, I still coach within my own personality and how I feel about things. Mm -hmm. Sure thing. And coach, you know, as we talk about your philosophy and your coaching style, one of the things that always comes up when researching you is the term players coach. I've seen a number of media outlets describe you that way. So how important is that player coach relationship? And I know you kind of touched on it already, but is that something that you would say is an intentional no, on your not part? Not intentional, um, but it's one of those things where it just, it just happened really. Um, like I said earlier, I was told you can't get close to your players, but I've always felt that you as a coach can impact a young person's life in a lot of different ways. Uh, my coaches, when I was growing up, baseball, basketball, football were very influential in my life because my dad passed when I was eight years old. So the the male figure in my was I love sports. And so I looked to my coaches a lot for guidance and leadership. And uh, so when I heard that I, I wasn't supposed to get close to my players, uh, when I was, when I first got into this business, I, I never felt like I couldn't. And, uh, you mm -hmm. know, we, I've established relationships with my, some of my, the players that have turned into wonderful friendships, uh, you know, even godfathers of their children. Uh, and it's one where the, it, it sustains itself over a period of time because you just never know the impact that you may have on someone's life uh, when you get into this business. So I have never looked at that as a negative. I've always looked at it as a positive. Good, good stuff. Good stuff. Nothing. <clears throat> I believe uh, coaching that in relationship capital, man, sometimes, you know, people look at, at capital as in, in money, but there's nothing that can replace relationship capital and forming those bonds with people and getting an understanding of expectations and communication. So, uh, and particularly when dealing with young people and especially dealing with young people in the HBCU setting. Uh, so I applaud you, you know, for that organic philosophy of, of being a player's coach, uh, because as Coach Prime has said since day one and you guys are, are, are constantly repeating, you know, this is about growing and developing professionals and uh, forming those relationships is the way to do it. Well, yeah. Yeah. I mean, Coach has done a great job of setting the table um, mm -hmm. and you know, having uh, and setting a standard and a culture that he wants um, here at Jackson State. And we're all in this together. We're going to follow his lead every chance we get because it's not just about developing football players and athletes. It's about developing young men and prepare, helping to prepare them to go out into the real world and understand that uh, – you know, there's a way to do things. There's a way to treat mm -hmm. people. There's a way to handle yourself as a young man. And uh, we're, we're, we're into the total development of these young people, not just mm -hmm. the athletic development, because once you play or had an opportunity or you've been fortunate enough to play professional sports, you realize how fortunate and lucky you are. And that mm -hmm. there's so many more that don't get to do it than do get to do it. And they're going to have to go out and they're going to have to get a job and they're going to have to get involved 
in corporate America and they're going to have to, you know, they're going to have a family and they're going to have to raise their family and raise their children. And if you're lucky enough to be one of those who is able to play pro sports, God bless you, but more mm -hmm. or not. And mm -hmm. so how are you then going to navigate and negotiate your way through life without sports? Mm. Okay. Mm. Yeah, that, that's yesterday's news. You still have to look forward to how are you going to take care of your family and be, you know, productive in society as a young man who has the responsibility of taking care of his loved ones. So it's bigger than just athletics. It's, mm -hmm. it's about life as well. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. You know, coach, uh, Decades ago, man, they were sitting around and arguing on the Supreme Court about obscenity, you know, mm -hmm. and, and, and one of the justices said, well, I can't tell you what it is, but I know it when I see it. Right. Uh, uh, and so as we as we pivot back to, to your defense, what does it look like? What is, what how do we know a Dennis Thurman defense when we see it? What, what can the fans expect? out of out of the the defense that you put together what's your foot your thumbprint and that marks that this is the way Dennis Thurman coaches defensive football um intelligent hard i mean in terms of hard working physical aggressive relentless never giving up uh a lot of it sounds cliche-ish but when you have a defense that is smart aggressive, plays with great technique and fundamentals. We're not going to beat ourselves. Mm. When, it, when we understand how to do that, every play of every game, we're going to be hard to beat. Yeah. You, have, you want yeah. someone to have to beat you. If you have good football players, which we believe we have, and you coach them to do um, on every snap. And yeah. you make the other team have to beat you. Tom Landry used to say this to us before every game. If we play our best and they play their best, we should win. Mm -hmm. And that was the standard that he set for us. And I only missed the playoffs one year when I was a Dallas Cowboy. Mm -hmm. um, and it it was a philosophy that I've carried. When you have good football players who are smart, and when you think about Bill Belichick, you think about uh, Bill Walsh, when you think about Vince Lombardi, when you think about, you know, even Nick Saban right now, you think about Bear Bryant and – you know, John McKay, some of the all-time great football coaches, you know, the Paul Browns, the George Hallises, if you want to go back that far. They coach great players, but their players play great. Mm. And that's why they're Hall of Famers. And I've always said this, great players will make you a Hall of Fame coach. Mm. You name a Hall of Fame coach who didn't coach Hall of Fame players. <laughs> well said. Well, well said. said. Very true. Well Very said. True. You know, the Charles, I, I, I got to say something right here now. Mm. Because you and I uh, happen to be 
uh, longtime diehard Cowboy fans. <laughs> Our super dope producer Corey C. You know he's he's a 49ers guy. We're gonna work on it, but 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 when you talk about man, uh, all the things that Coach Thurman just mentioned uh, to identify his defense. I want to challenge some of our younger listeners. I remember sitting there watching it. If you want to see what getting to the ball, just just type in in your Google machine, Dennis Thurman, comma, Harold Carmichael. And let, let me, <laughs> <laughs> and let me tell you about closing speed and getting to the ball and changing the play. Because, Coach, sometimes, man, uh, it's like somebody said Mufasa. I just get shivers when I think about that play. Yeah. Uh, and, and you, <laughs> So, so I hope our fans out there know that that we not only have a coach that's coaching it, we have a coach that that has done it. Well, yes, I appreciate that. Um, you know, when you play football, it's it's one of those games that you know is it's not a it's not a contact sport. Football is a collision sport, and you cannot be afraid to collide with another man. Now, do you have to prepare yourself for those collisions? Yeah, you do. You know, it's kind of like being a boxer. And if you haven't prepared yourself to go in the ring and you get hit, you're going to go down. Well, you have to understand and prepare yourself for the physical nature of football. And it's about colliding with another individual against his will. It's not like Mm -hmm. he is allowing you to push him around or to make contact with him and he's going to move just because you've made contact with him, you have to understand that he's trying to keep you from getting to where you want to get to. And you're trying to move him to where you want to move him to and against his will. So Mm. it's a clash of wills and determination that allows some of these collisions to take place. And the, the hit you're talking about was one where right time, right place. Uh, I mean, I can't, I can't tell you how I knew it was going to happen. I don't because you don't think you, you, you don't have enough time to think about it. It just takes place. And then after it happened, I was, whoa, what just happened? <laughs> hey, you, you weren't the only one that was, whoa. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But, you know, a lot of times, and, and I, you know, I younger brother uh, who played football as well, and, you know, I talked to my friends. I said, a lot of times the last prayer that I would have before I left the locker room every game that I ever played was, will I walk back in here? That was what was most important to me, was getting up and being able to walk back in that locker room in one piece because I knew how I had to approach my job. And that is, you know, all out, no fear, do it the way you have to do it. And uh, fortunately I was able to walk back in every time, but, and then that's why people, when people talk to me about, you know, what's the greatest moment you had in in, in football? I said, walking back in the locker room. And they, Mm. they go, what are you talking about? I said, because not everybody walks back in that locker room after every game. And because you understand what you're getting ready to deal with once you walk out there and you don't have time to think anymore, it's all about reacting. And so what was, again, what was most important to me was to be able to walk back in that locker room after every game. Whatever else happened out there, I let everybody else judge it, okay? 
my place in history, I don't judge it. I let everybody else judge it. However they have chosen to see it, that's fine. I'm okay with it. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. Definitely remember those old flex defense days from the <laughs> Cowboys. <of> the <laughs> hey, if, you yes, say, sir. if you say flex nowadays, people start hey, looking at your arms or your back or your chest. They have no <laughs> idea what you're talking about. Exactly, exactly. You know, Coach, I, I want to ask this question, uh, and you touched on it a little bit earlier in terms of not being married to a scheme. But I, 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 I found this question pretty interesting in terms of asking coaches this. Uh, in terms of where is the fine line uh, from, you know, the preparation that you put into a game plan to actually making in-game adjustments? Uh, whereas, and, and I ask that question from the standpoint, sometimes we see coaches are married to their game plan and, and adjusting is very hard for them to do. Where uh, does Coach Dennis Thurman come out in regards to uh, the flexibility of maneuvering from game plan to game adjustments? Um, your initial game plan is one that that you look at and you say, these are the things we believe uh, we need to do. You, you set objectives or goals. And these are the three things we believe we need to do going into a game. And it may be, you know, it's going to differ every week. And for instance, if you're playing the Kansas City Chiefs, pray. Okay, right now, say a lot of prayers because you don't really have, you can't really come up with a game plan to stop what the Kansas City Chiefs do because they have so many weapons. And uh, you want to try and take away Cheetah. You want to try and take away Kelsey. You want to try and take away the run game. How do you stop Patrick Mahomes? Uh, they're a pretty good offensive line. Uh, they have, you know, Watkins. They have different weapons on that offense. Pretty good, like I say, pretty good offensive line. They can run block. They can pass block. Uh, can you outscore them? You know, offensively, can you keep Patrick Mahomes on the sideline with his hands tucked inside of his shoulder? Look. You can expect, okay, on Super Bowl Sunday, he's standing on the sideline with his hands tucked inside of his his uh, shoulder pads in the front uh, because you know he can't score from that position. Um, so you you go into a game and you try to take away what the other team does best, but you also understand and know that they're also scheming against you. They're also looking at what you do and trying to see how they can best attack you. And so you have to be prepared as, to be able to make adjustments. And what we used to say is, do we have enough bullets plan to be able to make the necessary adjustments uh, that we may need? So you don't, you don't have just one game plan. You really are thinking about, okay, here's some things that we may have to go to in the game in order for us to a- achieve what we need to achieve to win the game and not be afraid uh, to do it. Some coaches get stuck and, and say, play better, which I was taught is kids, your athletes, you can't just look at them. They may be playing as well as they can play, 
your job as a coach when they get in trouble is to help them get out of trouble, mm. you know, because mm. when you're a kid and you were playing on asphalt or you were playing in the street or you were playing on grass over at, you know, somebody's yard, you were playing football and you didn't have a coach. Okay. You were scoring touchdowns, getting interceptions, getting sacks, you know, doing playing the game that you enjoyed playing without a coach. Okay. So you knew you were learning how to play the game and you didn't need a coach. And so as you get older and get into more organized football, I was taught that you as a coach, one of your number one jobs is if a young guy, a young player gets in trouble or an older player gets in trouble, how do you get him out of trouble? Mm. Okay. And if you don't, if you just, your answer is play better. Maybe he's playing as well as he can play. The guy that he's playing against is just better than he is. How are you going to help him? Okay. You want to earn his respect? Help him. Okay. That is our job is to help these young people get out of trouble if they get in trouble. And hopefully more, more times than not, your players are better than their players. If that's the, if that's the case, then, then just keep dominating them and don't change what you're doing and help them out. Keep doing what you're doing, you know, which I look at a lot of teams, they go, look, they can't block this, this blitz or they can't block this, this, this front. To where, so why change the front? Make them, make them make the adjustment to be able to block this front. I'm not going to change if you can't do it. I'm not going to help you out. I'm going to keep doing it until you show me that you're willing to make an adjustment. And if you don't make an adjustment, why should I? Hmm. Okay. That's good stuff. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's the school of thought that I've, I've come from. And uh, we're, we're not going to beat ourselves. We're going to make you beat us. Mm-hmm. Well, and following up on that, and, and you know, coaches are, are, are creatures of, of habit. And I wanted to ask, you know, is are, are you adamant in terms of where you're teaching from? Or would you position yourself in the booth or would you be on the sideline? Um, I started out in the booth. Uh, when I first became a coach in 1980 and uh, with the Arizona Cardinals and um, I was in the booth, but I could also, I mean, I, I enjoyed being up there. I understand that perspective, but I also learned how to watch the game as a player on the sideline. Mm. So I can see on the sideline as well as I can see up in the booth. Um sure communication is easier from the sideline than it is up in the booth. So I've taken the coming down and being on the sideline because I, the communication that needs, that I feel needs to take place. I have a better, if I was still coaching the secondary, I'd go up in the booth. Okay. But being a coordinator, I feel like having an opportunity to be more hands-on and see it and get things done and correct it. Uh, as quickly as possible sure. is the best way to, to to approach it. So I'm 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 comfortable either place, but I've grown to be more comfortable as a coordinator down on the sideline. Sure thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Sure, sure. You know, Coach, I'm literally uh, sitting here in awe just listening to you. I, I can listen to you talk football and philosophy 
all day. Uh, hopefully we can get you on the show regularly so that we can continue this this discussion, but definitely some other things that we want to get to. So I'm going to okay. transition here just for a moment. And I want to rewind back to how everything got started with you coming to Jackson State. I would imagine at some point you got a phone call from Coach Prime, a guy who you've known for decades and have coached in the past. And it's about being his defensive coordinator. So what can you share with us about those initial conversations with him and that vision that he laid out for well, you that made you we, want to be a part of it's it? It's interesting that we kept in touch from, you know, I when I got when I got to Arizona uh, in 1988, they had me evaluate the top five defensive backs in the draft. Uh, I obviously I had him one and uh, one through five. And I can't remember the, there's a kid from Auburn. I it was Tracy Porter. And there were some other guys that uh, were there, but they had me look at the top five defensive backs in that coming out that year. And I had him ranked one. So I knew who he was. Um, I, and I had watched him play and he was by far the best defensive back in that draft corner safety, whatever, and one of the, obviously one of the top players coming out of that draft. And um, and so that's when I first heard his name. And uh, obviously going to Atlanta and doing what he was doing, you couldn't help but watch him because of the magnetism and the flair and those things that, that he brought to the NFL. Uh, but once we met and he came to Baltimore, I found that there's much more to him than the high stepping and the, uh, you know, the holding the ball up, the flamboyance, the, the, when, you know, what you see on television, it's almost as if, okay, prime time and Dion can be two different people. Mm. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, but you can only do that, okay, if you're a Magic Johnson or you're a Pete Maravich, okay? A lot of people have forgotten about Pete Maravich. Pete Maravich played basketball with a flair that very mm -hmm. few individuals have ever played with. Ever. Okay. Yeah, you're right. And he could mm -hmm. score the basketball. He could pass the basketball. And he could do things that they looked like, oh, my God, he, he was a showboat. But he was so technically and fundamentally sound playing basketball that people only paid attention to the flair of it. But he didn't waste motion. He didn't waste things. And he was always spot on. If he made a behind-the-back pass, it was probably the right pass to make at that time. And so you can play the game that way if you are prepared and you understand the game the way other people cannot see the game. And to me, that's the way Dion played the corner, was that he was so prepared and he was so uh, ready to play and understood what he had to do that he could, he could, he could feel free to allow mm -hmm. those things to take place. You can't do that. Mm -hmm if you don't understand what you're doing mm -hmm. and how you're supposed to do this. So when you watch a lot of young people try to emulate that, copy that, they're going to make a ton of mistakes. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. And so to understand what they're doing, 
you have to understand the preparation that they've undergone and what they've done to get to that point that they can they can have that freedom and flexibility to play that mm-hmm. way mm-hmm. and that's how that's what i learned when i coached him when he came to baltimore was that mm-hmm. behind the scenes watch the work yeah because all you're going to mm-hmm. see on sunday is <laughs> what he's going to give you of prime time mm-hmm. but the the man who works behind the scenes is the person that you fall in love with okay the others mm-hmm. the other you enjoy it but you take it for what it is because there's more that goes into it than you're you're going to you're privy to seeing unless you get a chance to watch him work tremendous insight it is man i'm i, I think yeah. about uh Corey chuck and, and coach uh you know warren buffett one of the great investor minds uh and, and business people out there one of, one of my favorite quotes of his is it, it ain't risk if you know what you're doing yes you know yeah and and so when you have put in that work and that time with your craft yes. you know i don't care if it's you closing on harry carmichael or, or, or coach prime closing mm-hmm. on interception uh, what other people see is risk you right. know y'all have put in work to minimize that risk and know the level of success and it's reactionary yeah. from the preparation of the coaching so i, I that, man that's spot on and well said coach yeah well that's that's mm-hmm. the the beauty of the man is that he can be that way because it's the working and that's what mm-hmm. people don't mm-hmm. see okay and i think and i think even people that you know he's he's gotten into into this profession hey i'm coaching i want to be a coach i think a lot of people expect him to be that person that they saw on tv in a uniform and Mm -hmm. there's much more to him than that Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. that's the beauty of the human the man i mean he is our he is our leader and he is he is determined to change the culture, the thinking, the, the, you know, just how the perception of Jackson State is, is how he's looking at it going, uh-uh, that's not who we're going to, that's not, that's not who we're going to be. And you're either going to follow me, okay, or you're going to have to jump off this, this train at some point. Sure. Uh, sure. And that's coaches right. and players alike. Mm-hmm. That's right, a- right and you know you talk about you know you talk about changing the culture and the perspective you know on the podcast we like to reach back into that history of jackson state athletics and talk about some of our legends and past greats and you know that's one of the things that we want to get back to that history uh but one of the things that's been distinctly pointed out by several of, of our guests who talk about that history has been that exact moment in history when some of the top black athletes first began going to PWIs instead of HBCUs and specifically Jackson State. And one of the things that Coach Prime always talks about is leveling the playing field and getting HBCUs the same opportunities and resources as the PWIs and recruiting the same caliber of talent as those P5 schools. So in just a a few short months, we're already seeing tremendous uh, strides towards doing just that. So can you give us your inside perspective on this and what it's like for you potentially being on the brink of something that I would call historic that we may, you know, one day we may look back on this years from now and say, you know, that was the turning point or when things or when that tide started to turn 
uh, for black athletes going back well, quote yeah. unquote, home? Um, I mean, the climate, you know, of America uh, and even parts of the world seem ready for that. And it's, you know, I, I'm trying, I'm, I'm all the young African-American coaches who are aspiring to get into this profession and seeing the way the, the needle is, is, seems to be stuck when it comes to us, uh, whether it be Power Five schools or NFL head coaching opportunities. It seems like we're going backwards. It, it, at one point in time, it looked like we were moving forward. But right now, it seems like we're neutral or we're going the other the other direction. Um, why that is, I can't, I mean, I have my, my thoughts on it, but I'll keep them to myself for right now. But it just doesn't <laughs> seem like we're making progress. Um, mm-hmm. And... Uh, Yet, when you look at it, it it seems like we're not getting the opportunities. Well, when I was a kid growing up and I had an opportunity to watch Grambling come to the Coliseum and play, uh, and they played Alcorn and Eddie Robinson was the coach. And I I was at the Coliseum and I probably was 10 years old. The boys club, we took a trip and... uh, it was strange because in growing up in Santa Monica, California, I grew up in a very uh, diverse neighborhood where it was white, black, Hispanic, Asian. It didn't matter. And yet our boys club took us to an HBCU football game. And I was blown away by it. The marching band was a huge part of what I enjoyed, but they also played good football. And I heard of this coach named Eddie Robinson, didn't know who he was at the time. Um, But he obviously is one of the greatest coaches to ever coach uh, Mm -hmm. football, college or pro. And so it, it, football is a game when you look at it, that brings a unique experience to the individuals that play it. And because you're in a locker room where it doesn't matter, you know, what ethnicity you are. It doesn't matter, you know, how much money you have. It doesn't matter, okay, if you come from a single parent home or if you come from a family of three or four and everybody, you know, mom and dad are there and they both have jobs or the dad has a great job, the mom doesn't have to work. Um, Everybody is the same. And you get to know each other. And it's the ultimate team sport because you have to sit on the bench and you have to let others help you win a game. And only in high school and Pop Warner do you get to play both ways. Very seldom do you get to play both ways in pro football. So you have to depend on 11 entirely different people play defense to help you win. If you're on offense, you got to count on your defense. Both of you have to count on your special teams, okay? And your strength and conditioning staff to get you ready to play, to keep you healthy. Um, 
your the, your trainers, okay, who are helping you, you know, heal from injuries and 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 all of those things. So there's so many different uh, facets that bring a football team together. Uh, the equipment people making sure your equipment fits exactly right uh, and that it's taped down exactly the way you want it. Your shoes fit so you don't hurt your feet, you know, get blisters and things of that. There's so many variables that go into the game that are untalked. I mean, they're not talked about. And Mm -hmm. without those people doing their jobs, it's going to make it more difficult for you to do your job. So what I'm really saying is that the makeup of a football team is very different than that of any other sport unless you're playing an individual sport. If you're playing a team sport, more times than not, other than football, you can have an impact on offense and defense. Okay? Football, you're only going to have an impact one way. And you got to depend on others to help you achieve a championship. It's the ultimate team sport. Mm-hmm. And you have to depend on others. And so when, when you understand that, you begin to understand the appreciation that you have to have and respect you have to have for the other man who's trying to do the job to the best of his ability to help you attain your goal. Okay, we all want to be champions but you need others to help you do that in football. You can't play both ways. And if you do, you're not going to play both ways for long, not at the NFL level. Okay. So it's about understanding what true teamwork really is. Mm -hmm. And football is that the ultimate team sport. Yeah. Yeah. You know, coach, that, that reminds me of, man, one of my, one of my favorites uh, as we talk about, you know, team and, and I, I've seen coach prime post videos with the equipment staff. And when you guys have been, you know, eating sequestered and safe and healthy environments, thanking, you know, the food service people and then, and then hearing your comments there. Uh, and I do it quickly. I, I hope I can remember it right. But you remember that, that old uh, proverb poem called for one of a nail. Yeah. And, and where, where it says for one of a nail, the shoe was lost yeah. for one of a shoe. The horse was lost for one of a horse. The rider was lost for one of a rider. The message was lost yep. for one of a message. The battle was lost for one of a battle. The kingdom was yes. lost. And all of that was lost for one of a horseshoe and a nail. Yes. So man, if, if you don't have all those little parts, you can't win championships without everybody knowing their role. Yes doing their role and feeling valued. And one thing I've seen just philosophically from you guys and having to have the pleasure of be, being in y'all's football operations to be around y'all, man, y'all treat each component of that team and person in that building with the respect and resolve that they're important to what y'all's mission is. Yes. And, and I, I don't think you get to see that a lot in other organizations. Well, yeah. I mean, you have to respect what everyone is bringing to the organization, to their job. No one's job is less than, less important than someone else's job. Mm-hmm. And to be able to, to look at each person and understand that I, I need to respect this. I need to respect what they bring to us to help us win. It's no less important than what I have to do. 
And once you understand that and you your team understands that, then you have something special. You have mm-hmm. something very special. And it'll make it not that it's gonna be easy because winning the championship is always hard. I don't care yes. what level, but you begin to to understand how much you need someone else to help you achieve. And you will give of yourself, you know, as they say all the time, you know, if you're ever gonna lead, you have to first learn to serve. Mm. Okay. And preach, preacher. But it's just the way it is, you know, you have to learn how to serve, okay, and give of yourself if you ever want people to follow you, okay? And that is, that's the game that we play when you play football. There is no greater game to learn that. Mm-hmm. 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 Wow. You know, Coach, it's really fascinating sitting here listening to you talk the game. I know I said that earlier, but it's refreshing, and I know our fan base uh, is really going to enjoy mm-hmm. this and appreciate it. Uh, one of the things I wanted to ask you, just with, with the transition, I know you've, you've coached in the NFL, played in the NFL, coached in the NFL, but when you talk about game planning for NFL offenses versus now preparing for these modern college offenses, what do you think are some of the general or core differences? Um, not as many. Uh, athletic quarterbacks in the NFL. I mean, there's more now than it used to be. I mean, when you start talking about Lamar Jackson, Kyler Murray, Deshaun Watson, you know, Russell Wilson, you know, even Patrick Mahomes, you know, when you start, you know, Haskins, you're, you're getting, you're dealing with more quarterbacks in the NFL that have uh, mobility and can be just as dangerous, if not more dangerous with their legs. Uh, than their arms. And uh, in college sports, it, it appears that you're going to have more athletic quarterbacks at this level than you would at the NFL level. You're still going to find the Tom Brady's, Aaron Rodgers, Drew Brees, Ben Roethlisberger's. I mean, where they're going to be a little bit more, if you're running a zone read, for instance, I mean, do you really expect uh, – Aaron Rodgers to pull it. He might pull it one time in a game. So you're not going to pay attention to him. Okay. If he gets, if he does it at a crucial point in the game, yeah, you got to pay attention. But overall, it may be one once for a six yard game. Uh, college football, you're going to, you have to pay attention to the athletic quarterback because he's the guy that can beat you. Uh, with his legs as well as his arm more times than an NFL quarterback would probably do that. So that's a a part of the game that I'm going to have to uh, make sure I pay more attention to, Uh, making sure that you have someone responsible for the quarterback uh, as well as the running back at the collegiate level, whereas in the NFL you kind of ignore him, so to speak. Mm-hmm. And uh, and say, okay, I'm not going to let him beat me throwing the football. Mm-hmm. And to me, that's why a lot of teams have a problem dealing with Lamar Jackson because mm-hmm. Lamar is just as apt to run the football to beat yeah. you than throw the football to beat you. Mm-hmm. And if you don't pay attention to him or assign some to, someone to him on every snap, 
then you you're going to be in trouble and even if you do assign someone to him <laughs> or every step, he probably is going to be more athletic than yeah. the guy you assigned yeah. to him okay so the attention you have to pay to those guys is very different than the attention you will have to pay to some others on the NFL level. And I anticipate that having to face more athletic quarterbacks who can run the football um, will be something that I will have to get used to um, mm -hmm. because there are certain defenses you can't play because those guys can run the football. Chuck, Chuck, that's what we call red meat right there, brother. I was about to say that, that is, is red meat, red man. Meat right there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, Coach, and I wanted to follow up on, on kind of what you're saying in regards to uh, offenses, uh, NFL versus college offenses, but I want to know, are, are there nuances in teaching uh, uh, technique from, from pros to the college athlete? No. Football is football. And the, what we are gonna, uh, what we're gonna do, we're not gonna attempt to do it, but what we're gonna get done, and we have to get done, is we have to teach our guys how to play the game. Uh, every every guy on our defense is gonna learn how to get off a block. Mm. Okay, there's nothing wrong with getting blocked. Okay, that's football, but learning how to get off of a block. Okay, is crucial you you watch nfl games you watch college games nowadays mm -hmm. and one of the things you see on defense is guys don't know how to, they get blocked and they stay blocked it, there's nothing wrong with getting blocked but to stay blocked that no that's unacceptable okay mm -hmm. i don't care if you're a defensive lineman linebacker or defensive back you have to learn how to get off of a block okay and then we're going to run to the football and we're gonna get there with bad intentions. Mm. And if we're hashtag not hashtag Harold Carmichael, <laughs> <laughs> just had to say, just you know. And it's unacceptable for you not to be able to run to the football. You know, it, it effort is only what's inside of you. Okay, and if you can't play the game with the type of effort and determination to want to go out and, and beat your opponent, then you're, you're in the wrong sport. And you're definitely playing for the wrong team if you're playing for Jackson State and you can't c approach the your job and doing that every time we go out and take the field, okay? Our number one objective is to not let our opponent score. If you don't score, and everybody says, if you don't score, you can't win. Well, that's what we believe. You're not, you're not in our end zone until you're in. I don't care if we turn the ball over, our offense turns the ball over, or special teams, they run a punt back to our one-yard line. Our goal, our goal is to go run on that field and keep them out of the end zone. And we're going to do everything we can to keep them from scoring a touchdown. Now, they may be in field goal range already, but it's better to give up three than seven. No doubt. Right? Mm -hmm. And that's how we're going to approach it. And it doesn't matter. We don't have we don't have 
time to make excuses. Well, coach, they the offense turned the ball over. Well, coach, they threw an interception. Well, coach, that none. Well, coach, guess what? We get an opportunity to run on the field and shine. That's how we're gonna look at it. Mm. We get an opportunity. This is another opportunity for us to show how great we are. Mm-hmm. This is another opportunity for us to show that, you know what, you can count on us. You can depend on us. We're going to be here, okay, from the start of the game until the clock goes zero zero. Mm-hmm. okay? And our job is to minimize the points that our opponent puts up on that scoreboard. And I don't care if our quarterback throws an interception and they run it back for a touchdown. Okay, they got seven. All right. Can they beat us if they only score seven and we score 14? I think we win. Correct. Mm-hmm. So our, it's not about anything other than what our job is. Our job is to prevent points, period. Regardless, it doesn't matter the situation we've been put in or the circumstance we've been put in. We will not make an excuse. We are going to go out and do it the way it's supposed to be done. Mm-hmm. It's great stuff. Wow. Great stuff. That is great stuff. That is great stuff. And that'll do it for episode 124 of Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club. Thank you to all of our listeners. And again, be sure to download and subscribe to the podcast. Apple Podcast listeners, rate and review the show. And everyone, follow Tiger Talk with the 1400 Club on Facebook and Tiger Talk 1400 on Instagram and Twitter. I can't stress the importance of this enough. We're looking to do some big things with this platform to aid the athletics department. And it all starts with you downloading, subscribing, rating, and reviewing the show. And tell every Tiger that you know. We're on all podcast outlets. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, and so on. And we'll be posting each episode on our Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter pages. As always, thanks for your support. Go Tigers. Hashtag I Believe. Hashtag the I love. ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time there's granger offering professional grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need plus you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you call clickgranger.com or just stop by granger for the ones who get it done